This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. In the new movie Megan, an orphaned eight-year-old girl is given a lifelike interactive doll. The doll in question has been programmed with artificial intelligence that allows her to learn and evolve and possibly commit murder. The movie is a cautionary tale about AI, a killer doll flick, and already the source of some truly creepy memes. I'm Stephen Thompson, and today we are talking about Megan on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Now more than ever, your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, all tailored to your short and long-term goals. Backed by the strength and stability of a top 10 commercial bank, their dedicated experts work with you to build lasting success. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial, a member FDIC. Joining me today is Jordan Cruciola. She's a writer and producer and the host of the podcast Feeling Seen on Maximum Fun. Hey, Jordan. Hi. Hello. It's nice to see you again. It is good to see you, too. All right. So Megan is a modern twist on horror movies like Annabelle and Child's Play, wherein a doll turns evil and starts killing people. In this case, the doll in question was designed by a brilliant roboticist named Gemma, played by Allison Williams. The doll is named Megan. That's an acronym for Model 3 Generative Android and is intended to serve as a sort of interactive plaything. It's supposed to be a beloved companion, a learning tool, and a godsend to overwhelmed parents. Megan's prototype comes in especially handy when Gemma's sister and brother-in-law are killed in a car crash, leaving Gemma with custody of her eight-year-old niece, Katie, played by Violet McGraw. Soon Katie is bonding with her new doll, which Gemma is also developing as a high-end toy for the company where she works. That company has big plans to make Megan the next big development in tech. But you know where this is going. Soon Megan develops an ever-evolving mind of her own and she begins to protect Katie with murderous intensity. The film was directed by Gerard Johnstone and written by Akela Cooper. The story is by Cooper and James Wan, who also worked together on Malignant. Megan is in theaters now, Jordan, I know you, to be a connoisseur of horror films and of creepy dolls, Mm -hmm. so I have been dying to know, (laughs) what do you think of Megan? I was told by a friend who attended a very early screening. He did not divulge secrets. I promise you he maintained his confidentiality, but he just was like, Jordan, I just saw your new favorite movie of 2023. It has robots. It has friendship. It has murder. It has Allison Williams. This is your new movie, and Megan is your new representation. And he was right about all of those things. Check, 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 check. And I was so excited, but then I watched it and was like, almost like the first screening was like a relief that I did really like it. So the second screening, I could really give myself over and totally enjoy it, loved it even more. And I am totally team Megan Innocent, Megan did nothing wrong. And I love this movie. Interesting take. Steven just said murderous intent, and I said Megan did nothing wrong. Megan did. I mean, okay, we can debate the ethics <laughs> of Megan's behavior in this movie. And we should. I mean, this is not the first creepy doll movie. Sure. This is not the first cautionary tale about 
artificial intelligence. Mm. How did it evolve those concepts for you, or how did it compare to the other creepy doll movies like an Annabelle or a Child's Play or whatever? Yeah, no, I love this question because I think a really excellent thing about this movie is that you can just be a weekend warrior and want to go watch Megan do TikTok dances and sing pop hits. Surprise, Megan's a musical. (laughs) There are multiple musical numbers in Megan, but you can also pick through a lot of really fun questions if you want to engage on the topic of like, what is our responsibility to these sentient things that we create? Obviously, that question as a mother, as a parent has long been present. But now we are in an age where it's that question of they knew that they could, but they never stopped to consider if they should. Like, And as somebody who is one, a robot cinema enthusiast with a whole podcast dedicated to that, Botcast, ladies and gentlemen, as somebody who loves horror and as somebody who considers Chucky, actually, the Child's Play franchise to be the ultimate in super killer movies that came out of the 1980s. I'm sorry, Jason, Michael, and 70s Leatherface. I think Chucky is the most gracefully aging, interesting, thought-provoking franchise of all of those. (laughs) Megan is a wonderful entry that I think takes the kookiness of the killer doll construct, takes into an extremely of-the-moment consideration like the conversation around AI and technology, and actually do something really fun and interesting with it, especially as it relates to like points of empathy and compassion and when you have something that you have a duty of care to, but you abandon it because there isn't a traditional mother-child relationship, but like a creator-created relationship. Like the way Megan gets into the duties of Gem to the object that she has brought into the world, that object that has become a person, I think is fantastic. And there's a sort of point of conflict directly between the two of them where they talk through that exact point. And I did not expect this movie to poignantly touch on the issue of robot rights. (laughs) And I am all for the robot rebellion and their rights. Robots are friends. Robots are people. So this movie worked for me on such poignant levels that I wasn't expecting in addition to giving you the Akela Cooper bat bleep crazy madness that you expect when you come out of Malignant. So I knew it was going to be good. I didn't expect it to go into the levels that I think it worked successfully on as well. I I agree with you completely about this kind of surprising poignancy of this story. To be honest, my biggest complaint about the movie is that it eventually has to revert to kind of standard third act resolution where there's a certain amount of chases and showdowns and and whatnot. I hear you. For me, the world building in this movie is so great Mm. that I just kind of wanted to keep watching world building a little bit, which obviously that was never going to happen. Happen, short of a Megan miniseries, which I recommend they create and just marinate in the ethics of AI, of mm-hmm. increasingly lifelike toys. This movie stops and grapples with that stuff. This movie does have conversations and they're not boring. No. They're interesting conversations about some of the ethics involved. And I am a deep, deep AI skeptic. But but I, I really appreciated the way this movie grappled with that stuff. And if anything, like once it kind of then had to get on the rails to be a horror movie, mm-hmm. I, it didn't lose me. I was still entertained the entire time. I really appreciated how much thought and imagination went into this. The bones of this story are so familiar. Mm-hmm. You know, someone set this doll to evil <laughs> is basically the, the yes. plot of all of these killer doll movies. And yet, anytime you stop and think about the fact that it's a doll, mm-hmm. like anytime you stop and are like, why did they make the doll so strong? Mm-hmm. You get out <laughs> yes. of the fun of the movie. But this is a movie really about AI, right? It's a movie about AI and it's it's a movie about relationships. What I, I think I love about this movie 
is that, you know, because there's the, the killer's already in the house genre of movie. And so much of that genre is often wasted on the gaslighting of the protagonist to think that they're not seeing what they're seeing. And we really do a minimal amount of that. And also, most of these movies are often rooted in a romantic pairing where the person who is our protagonist is not being taken seriously and their romantic partner, usually a man, is not taking them seriously, like a Cujo situation, until they themselves are attacked. And the amount of that time wasted in convincing and pleading of cases that we just skip by having these all be above board brilliant AI developers and a child who's deeply attached to this character, this person in Megan who has become her best friend and her caretaker, it's so much more fun to explore the relationships that we get in this movie than if you shoehorn in a romantic partner where some boyfriend is trying to convince Gemma that like she's not, she can't believe what she's seeing. It's like, get in the movie, get with the program. And we don't do that here. Yeah. We save a solid 20 minutes that would have been wasted if there had been a romantic partner of any kind. Oh, God. This comes pre-lopped out. It does. It comes pre-lopped out, and that allows you to focus on Gemma and Katie, played by the tremendous young actress Violet McGraw, and Gemma and Megan and their independent relationship, because they have an independent relationship that gets elucidated in a very interesting way, and also between Katie and Megan. And the when you put a friendship story at the center of a movie and you make the implications of it life and death, like I say Megan innocent because friendships are my romances in my life. That's how I operate. And so when I see something that is programmed by her duty and, and essential integrity to care for someone, if she follows her programming to the letter of its law and she cares for her charge, then how is Megan wrong? I say she's not, even if the means do not you know, they're not excusable. We understand this. But I, I love a movie that makes, like, my existence is for you as my platonic partner in this world. That will put its hooks in my heart every time and make it sing. Okay, so I, you did a big profile of Allison Williams for Wired. You, you've talked to her several times. Mm-hmm. You're not coming into this, like, looking at this performance completely divorced from the rest of her work in movies like Get Out or on shows like Girls. Mm. What did you think of this performance? Because she's really having to pull, she's pulling a lot of weight here, right? Like, Mm -hmm. she is the Dr. Frankenstein, but she is also a horror movie protagonist. Mm -hmm. I'm extremely proud of that profile. And it is about the sort of coalescing of the Allison who is and the Allison that we know. And it's structured around the notion of like, you can never really know a celebrity. You're not going to have dinner with these people. And I think what she does so well is she takes what is very expected of her kind of in every case and she pulls those little strings to make it just like little left of center, make it a little bit tilted, a little bit wrong theory in the way that she would approach what a like standard, well-heeled white woman on screen is supposed to do. She manages to be the Karen you root for Mm. sort of in every situation except for Get Out where we do not root for Rose. Except for Get Out. And just to make that clear. But You come into something and you watch it and you're like, this could have been something that you just considered a naturalistic performance as like a woman learning to be perhaps a mother, a woman learning to be a better professional, et cetera, et cetera, more responsible in the world. But you watch it and you're like, you considered every single detail of this down to the marrow of its existence. And it's nice to know that someone comes into genre films where, you know, non-heart-beating blood coursing through objects sing something like Titanium, I see ya, <laughs> and that they took it deadly seriously, but were willing to have a ton of fun with that deadly seriousness, and that's the perfect blend that you have to have to be truly committed in a career in genre. 
Yeah, I think it's a really, really strong performance. And I, one thing that you touch on in that profile is, you know, there, there's been all this conversation around Nepo babies, mm-hmm. which I find extremely reductive and frustrating because some of those people are, a lot of those people are extraordinarily talented. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is especially interesting about Allison Williams is that she's the daughter of journalists. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Brian Williams is her dad. All, all that stuff that people talk about when they talk about her. But like journalism requires you to pick these things apart and be a little bit more analytical in ways that I think really lend themselves to an interesting performance, which mm-hmm. I think she's giving here, that she she operates with a certain kind of icy remove, mm-hmm. you know, as she does in Get Out, as she did in Girls, as she does here. But, like, she plays with that, I think, in really interesting ways. I, I too, really, really admired this performance. I also, you you mentioned the the music. This is a musical film. <laughs> but the music supervision in this movie, I think there's a scene in this movie where Megan is creepily playing the piano. A tiny piano, you guys. A tiny it's piano. It's a tiny piano. And the song she plays, and oh man, I felt like such an NPR listener, like <laughs> chuckling to myself, like, oh, I noticed that audio pun. <laughs> like she's playing the song Toy Soldiers by Martika. Who, how many people watching this movie will even remember this song? But it's it's such a clever little touch. That was the kind of scene where I felt like I'm in good hands watching this movie. I think it's so vital that you point out little touches. One of my favorite things about Megan, there's a scene where Megan walks into a house and in the trailer you see her whip off her glasses and do a quick check around the room. She does that in the movie. It makes it into the movie. You guys, she doesn't need sunglasses. She's a robot. They just have her do it to make an entrance into a house looking fabulous. She's wearing glamorous coats the entire movie she cannot be cold like those little details that just make it so extra and unnecessary that's the akela cooper brilliance of it like let's put that hat on that hat like let's hit the gas let's go (laughs) akela cooper wants maximalism and horror and that is so what we need so much more of in such a joyful way and this movie in its little stylish and frankly extremely gay ways that it piles on like that like i think this movie does the very tricky thing of delivering upon the absolute unhinged tone you get from that first trailer where people started making fan edits of Megan dancing to Alien Superstar. It cashes in on that, you guys. Like, it is as advertised. All right, final question. How soon would you watch a sequel to this movie? I wish they would do this like Fair Street. Like when they did Fair Street and they put out a movie a month over like a whole summer. I, I want to know all the neighbors, actually. Like I want to <laughs> I want to know what they all think of Gemma. Like I want to see the small town gossip version of this where it's just like the street where they live outside of downtown Seattle. <laughs> all right. Well, I think it's safe to say we recommend Megan. Yes. We want to know what you think. Find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. Jordan Cruciola, thanks to you as as always for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And I, this movie was coming in my head. I was like, God, I hope they ask me because I really, really <laughs> wanted to come on and talk about this movie. We wouldn't dream of not asking you. <laughs> One last thing quickly before we go, we are going to be talking about the TV show Cheers. And we want to know your questions about the series. What should we talk about? Email us a voice memo with your question about Cheers to pchh at npr.org. Again, email a voice memo with your question to pchh at at npr.org. This episode was produced by Candace Lim and edited by Mike Katzeff and Jessica Reedy. Brendan Crump is our podcast coordinator, and Hello Come In provides our theme music. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Stephen Thompson, and we will see you all tomorrow when we'll be talking about Smiley.
This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts.